Uh, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. What book did I say? Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, I just want to use this and focus in on this as the subject of what I want to share about. Um, I really want to look at some things in depth that matter to the Christian faith, especially in a day and a time where the faith is being challenged. And, um, you know, many people are thinking that we serve Genie Jesus. And the reason for me to come to church is so I can come and Jesus can give me all the things that I want. And um, we're falling apart when challenges happen because we didn't realize that um, we're not just called to reign with Christ and prosper in Christ, but we have to also learn how to pick up our cross and suffer with Christ. And so if you will, um, we're, gonna, we're going to read the text. I'm going to pray and then... Um, and then we're going to jump right in. The Bible declares and says, Pray then like this, verse 9. It says, Our Father, someone say, Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, someone say us, give us this day our daily bread. See a pattern here? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead me, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for this preaching moment. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who has gathered here and those who are watching online to be able to hear that which you have put in my heart to share. I pray, Lord, that your power would move in a mighty way, so much so that we would be empowered, that we would be inspired, that we would be challenged to be able to walk into everything that you have called us to. Beat back the plans and the powers of the enemy. And I pray instead, Lord, that indeed your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in this moment. We give you the thanks and praise for doing so in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen, amen. One more time, put those hands together for Jesus in this place. God bless you, sir. And so, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up as a PK. Uh, and, you know, so growing up in, for those who don't know what that means, pastor's kid. And so my dad, my dad is 88 years old. I just watched him preaching yesterday after an incredibly terrible season um, as it pertained to his health. And my dad is, you know, he's someone that, I mean, he, like, he's an OG for real. Like, he has been doing this thing, pastoring for over 60 years. And so grow up, growing up in the house and seeing all the stuff that he experienced and navigated and all of that, I said, I remember walking down the road uh, telling my sister, I will never be a pastor uh, because of, you know, the, all the things that he had to experience. And so the fact that you see me here now after I've been pastoring now for 18 years, and it's insane that some of y'all are looking like, did you start when you were two? I mean, and so it's been a long time and a long journey, but I am a witness that sometimes God will call you to do some stuff that you don't even plan or uh, don't desire to do. Um, and now I have great joy in doing so. And it's been an incredible journey, though, watching my dad. And while I was a child walking around with my dad, 
uh, and noting things. You know, I saw him as my dad. He was my father. And, you know, there was an exclusive relationship that I had with him, and that was dope, and I really enjoyed being able to have him as my father. And then something weird happened, um, you know, not too long after, you know, we started in the pastoral ministry and noting this. There were people that would show up and be, say stuff like, uh, you know, your dad is my dad, or that's my dad. I'm like, what? Them is fighting words, man. What do you mean that's your dad? That's my dad. And they're like, no, that's my spiritual father. You know, he's done so much for me, and we love him. And people will be showing up at the house, and they want to, like, shovel the snow and do all sorts of stuff. Because they honored and revered and, and saw him um, not just as, you know, my father, but also their father. And so quickly I realized uh, when my dad, I said, Dad, what do you mean by this? What is happening? What are they talking about? You know, uh, should I rebuke them? And, <laughs> you know, as kids, as kids growing up in church, you learn words like rebuke early. And so he's like, no, 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 no. It's okay, son. It's okay. Uh, I, it's, it's, I'm not just your dad. Uh, I'm your dad in a special way, you know, but I'm also their dad too. And it was incredible to me because then now growing up and, and becoming a pastor for myself, and now I have uh, three children of my own, um, it's amazing because my children have had to learn to share me with the, you know, the hundreds that are a part of our church and all of this as well. You know, and they get the dynamic and it makes sense. And so they're not selfish with me. Uh, just like I had to learn to share my dad, they're sharing their dad, their parents, because I'm not just their father, uh, but I get to be able to help and lead um, many others as well. And so when I think about this and this concept with my dad and, you know, and, and, um, and then now me, myself as well, I think about the fact that we as Christians, we often approach God as just my father and the challenge of christ when christ shows up and christ um, exemplifies what he does as he walks on the earth and then he dies for our sins and all of this wonderful stuff he does so and if you know what he's saying if you know what he's calling us to especially here in this passage that we've talked about this prayer that is a universal one maybe it's familiar to some of you maybe it's new to others but if you look at the way that the prayer is framed, he says, pray like, then like this. He says, our father. Someone say, our father. He doesn't say pray like this, saying, my father. He says, our father. One more time, say, our father. And the way, and I'll deal with this a little bit more as we continue to unpack, but when you think about Western Christianity especially, it's especially focused in on personal relationship with Christ, oftentimes at the expense of the corporate relationship with God. Trust me, I'll unpack this a little bit more. But from the inception of the Christian church, if I can just teach for a few moments, uh, there has always been an emphasis on the unity within the church, especially as it reflects the oneness of the triunity of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so from the beginning of the church, the emphasis of the church has been around oneness, togetherness, unity, trying to find the things and the ways that we can connect and unify to be one body. Someone say one body. 
with God as our father. So, for example, a, th a few things to note uh, before we deal with this and, and, and preach and I let you go home and eat your lunch. I want, you to I want to encourage you. One of the ways that they especially focused in on unity in the church is baptism. Someone say baptism. We are able to unify around our baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who is baptized in the triune name of God, you are brothers and sisters in Christ by repentance, faith, and baptism on a local level. But then wherever around the world you find people who have repented, put their trust and their faith in Jesus, and have been baptized, they too are your brothers and sisters. Are you with me? And so the focus, especially there's a heightened focus on baptism. It's not just a cute thing. It's not just a bath to say, hey, I'm starting a new life. But it's also the entrance sign into the global Christian church. This thing is bigger than us. Not only this, uh, can I go a little further? If I can go further, say go further. Here we go. Uh, so also something that you may know of, but many of us only or exclusively identify with Roman Catholicism. Right. This was before the Roman Catholic Church, which officially came into place at the Great Schism. Someone say the Schism. In 1054 AD, the Eastern Church and the Western Church split. Roman Catholicism officially was established as the Western representation of the church in 1054 AD. Before this, it was just one big church. And one of the things that they did in the early church was the sign of the cross. Everybody say, the sign of the cross. And so, um, this was one of the ways that they employed this. Uh, they did so with the purpose of remembering their baptism. Not only this, to remember the cross of Christ through which they received salvation. And also to remember the triune God or the Trinity, the one God who we worship. This is why when people make the sign of the cross, you hear them say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because it points them back to their baptism, points them to the God that they worship, and points them to the cross of Christ. And most Christian faith traditions, not just Roman Catholicism, has practiced and still do practice this in many regards to remind them of this. In fact, in the 200s, uh, when did I say? In the 200s, um, a, an early Christian writer and one of the early leaders um, by the name of Tertullian, he was an African leader, and he actually said, we Christians wear out our foreheads with the sign of the cross. And so they literally would always do it in their forehead until it became a big movement as we see today. Uh, and so it's really cool. I want you to, can you participate with me for a second? I promise you're not going to turn into a Roman Catholic by doing this. It's really cool because the signage, um, it's something that's really cool. So uh, if you will put your hand up like this. So uh, most people that make the sign of the cross, the most common way is with their hand open like this, with their fingers. Each finger represents one of the wounds of Christ. So for example, uh, the, first, the first finger would represent the nail that it was in his feet. The next, would uh, the next two would represent the nails that were in his hands. Uh, the next would represent the crown of 72 thorns that were placed in his head. And then the last one represents the spear in his side that pierced his heart sack where blood and water came gushing out. Is it okay to teach for a second? 
And so uh, when you then would make the sign of the cross from your head, you can do this from your head down to the center, from the left to the right or the right to the left. It's, there's arguments around which way you should go. It is reminding you about the suffering of Christ, that he was wounded for our transgressions. Any Bible readers? That the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That with his stripes we are healed. And so this is one of the ways that they unified with one another. Remembering their baptism. Remembering the common God that we worship. Remembering all of these things. Not only this, the Christian calendar. Someone say, the Christian calendar. The reason why the church remembered and celebrated, for example, Advent or Christmas. Yo, you guys... I remember we used to drive up here for Falala. Wasn't that dope, man? I mean, like, you guys used to put all sorts of effort out there. It was amazing. And the reason why, like, people think Christians just, Christmas is just a pagan holiday. It's only pagan if you make it pagan. But, the, but Christians for centuries gathered around important events to Christianity to help us to preserve and remember things that matter to the Christian faith. So the focus of remembering Advent is, for example, that Jesus, that God came to the earth, didn't leave us stranded, but came to us miraculously in the person of Jesus Christ. When we remember Easter, and you guys do the Stations of the Cross, isn't that amazing also? It's to remind us that indeed Jesus didn't just, you know, walk on the earth or as the Gnostics and the Docetists believe uh, that he just appeared to be human, but he actually put on flesh. He actually was whipped. Come on. He actually bled. He actually went to the cross and he actually died for the sins of mankind. And the third day he rose from death. So the Christian calendar is one of the ways that we identify with Christians everywhere. Someone say, our father. Communion, like these tables that are set up here. I want you to understand that most churches in coming together every week, they're not just coming together to have a cool experience, but they're coming together to be able to be around the Lord's table, to remember the last supper of Christ. But as Christians believe for over 1,500 years, almost unanimously, that when they would receive communion, they're receiving the body and the blood of the Lord. And so it's one of the ways that this connection would have taken place. So these are just some of the ways and the focuses that they had to try and maintain and that we can as well maintain unity. Everybody say unity as Christians. I want you uh, to note this because it's important for us to understand that Christ, this is Christ's desire. This is his heart. In John 17 verse 11, Jesus prays to the Father and he says, I, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And so this was the desire of Christ. And so in keeping in step with what Pastor Pierre has been sharing and talking about, especially the light being an invitation into the transforming work of Christ in our lives that the light when it turns on it's an invitation not just to stand there but also to begin embracing and experiencing 
the work and the power of Christ in every day of our, every area of our lives. But as we accept God's creative invitation, someone say he's going somewhere. Watch. Through the light of Christ into a life of transformation. Here it is. We are not called to do this alone. Yeah. Supposed to be collaboratively as one body. And many say, man, is it possible? Because, look, the body of Christ is so deeply fragmented. Look at denominationalism and all of these various people that showed up a couple hundred years ago and think that they have it right and they're better than everybody else. Is it possible to be one and to experience this collaborative, transformative work of the Holy Spirit, even with the fragments? And I am here to tell you that Nothing is impossible with God. Are you with me? And if it's the desire and the heart of Christ, it is more than possible to see this happen. If you believe it today, you ought to put those hands together and give the Lord praise. And watch. So look, instead of being hypercritical and looking around the world at all of the things are going wrong, you know where we can start? By uniting the body of Christ right here. Come on. In your local church. Stop focusing. We are not called uh, to just focus around the world at what's wrong. You and I can do our part to lean in and help to unify the body of Christ from this place where we are. Let me tell you this, man, because I want to go deeper. Can I go deeper? Here it is. Watch. One of the plights of Western Christianity is its hyper-focus on a personal relationship with God. And so this is why, what I mean by this, and, and, and it's at the expense oftentimes of our corporate relationship and with this this why you got people to say i don't need church it's you know just me and jesus we can just be at home come on me and my cup my coffee in my you know in my journal and my diary and i'm okay and we're y'all don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> just me and jesus at home in my prayer closet hallelujah you know and we're good God has, yes, there is a personal relationship that we are to have with Christ. But when it is that you became, come on, a part of Christ, you didn't just become a part of Christ. You also became a part of his family. Come on, somebody. When you become Christian, God's invitation is not just into a personal relationship, but a corporate relationship with him as our father someone one more time shout our father listen when you get married especially for us uh i grew up in a west indian context and um, many of you um if you grew up similar to me or in certain environments because everything in the west man is just so microwaved and it's just overly simplified and all of this but in our context when you get married it's a family affair when you marry someone, you don't just marry that person. You marry their family. Come on, somebody. The crazy uncles and all of them. And so it's a serious business. It's a familial transaction. There's more to it than just that relationship. And so it's important to note and understand that there is value in viewing and in receiving God's invitation into the light and to the transforming work that this brings uh, as we step out of darkness. There is such great value in us being to the place where we see the corporate relationship as valuable as well. 
The Bible says in John 13, 35, Jesus says that they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Come on. And so when people see how you, how you treat one another and how this corporate relationship with God takes place, this is, it doesn't say how you love, just how you love yourself or how you worship by yourself or how you do these things by yourself, but how you love one another. That's one of the greatest witnessing tools that you have. Not only this, Hebrews 10, 25, I, I love this one. You know, it declares and says, Paul, the supposed Paul says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day uh, drawing near. What a powerful thing, man. Not neglecting the gathering of yourself as is the custom of some. But he says, getting get together to encourage one another. Can I tell you, uh, my brothers and sisters, that there's such great value when it is that you come to the house. It is not just about you coming so that you and Jesus, me and Jesus, can just have our time. Uh, no, you can do that at home. Come on. But when you come together, you, your testimony and the things that God has brought you through might be the key to someone else's jail cell. Who did I come to preach to? today i want you to know that when you come it's not just about you but there is such great value transformative value in us coming together with god as our father come on the light that we receive as an invitation positions us when we have and see the value in the corporate expression of our relationship with god where god can literally transform the church because of this perspective it's a it's a powerful thing because i want you to note this look and i'll tell you even in our gatherings over the past 50 years look look at this look at this we've begun to emphasize a personal experience in a corporate environment hear me hear me hear me let me say it again in the past 50 years in a corporate environment our aesthetics and all of the things that we do in many regards has been focused in on a personal experience over a corporate one in a corporate environment. Watch. So, so what, what do I mean by this? We've made our spaces so dark that you can't even see the hand in front of you. Oh, can I talk about it? Because we're like, oh, we don't want to be distracted by the people who are around us. So, uh, you know, even though we came to church to gather with people, I don't want to be distracted by people. So we're going to make this place as dark as possible so that it's just me and Jesus in a corporate place when I'm supposed to be getting together to have corporate worship. So uh, we come together, watch, uh, in this. Not only has it become dark, but it just looks like a concert environment. Where the focus, oh, y'all didn't come to have church today, did you? Where the focus, instead of being the, those up here leading those in the worship environment or in the congregation and calling us to worship together, the focus is on what's happening here in a spectator sort of a, sort of a sense. Oh, man, uh, you know, there's, there, we, we used to get together in church for congregational singing. 
where it was about us getting together and worshiping together. But now the majority of our focus is on performance and what's happening from the front in a consumer sort of a mentality. I am telling you, there is such a beautiful thing. When I get together, come on, I'm not distracted from my brother and sister, but I see such great value. When I look across the aisle, as I was sitting there, and you ought to celebrate because this place looks like heaven, let me just tell you. But it's such a beautiful thing to look across the row and see an older lady, come on, and a younger gentleman, and someone uh, that may have a different socioeconomic background than you. If there's a value in looking and seeing that although they are in the middle of stuff, come on somebody, although they're in the middle probably of a stinking pile of issue, come on somebody, that even in the middle of the mess, they find the strength to lift their hands and sing wait on the lord come on church wait on the lord and he will renew your strength so wait i say it's so encouraging to for me to know that i am not by myself yes pray in your closet but when you come to church you ought to have an hour father focus sitting up here talking about they ain't singing my song and so I'm just going to sit here with my... It's not about you. God is not Burger King. Come on, somebody. You can't have him your way. It don't matter what they're singing. The fact is, I was glad when they... I just feel the jump in. There, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. As long as... It don't matter what the lyric says. As long as I can jump on that lyric and sing with my brothers and my sisters. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed I feel this preach from the hands of the enemy any opportunity that I get to lift his name up and to encourage my brothers and my sisters with my worship you ought to hop on that fam Oh, I just, I'm just, I'm going to calm down, I promise. But it's not about you. It's not about you, man. There's just value in us getting together and singing together corporately around with God as our Father. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to sit up here. This is the thing because we're so performance-based. In many regards, where we're looking up here like, oh, Chad, they were singing today. Question is, were you singing? You're like, I can't sing. Oh, listen, baby. God does not wear earplugs around his children. It don't matter if you uh, would fail at an American Idol uh, uh, um, uh, audition. Fact of the matter is that God it will receive any form of worship. You better open that mouth right in the middle of your situation and where you are and lift your voice to God in thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks fact of the matter is they did not go through what it is that you went through in fact I wonder if there's anybody in this place that can look and say I don't even look like what I've been through come on somebody after all of the hell 
and the high water that he has brought me out of. Come on. If you really knew the story, you would understand my praise. I feel a church in this place that's about ready to stand to those feet and clap those hands. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on, somebody. Let us exalt his name together. Come on. For the Lord our God is good. He has brought us from a mighty long way. I didn't mean to go here, but I wonder if it's anybody for the next few seconds can open your mouth and give the Lord, give him the praise. Come on and clap those hands, all you people, and someone shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Go ahead and be seated listen I never forget man I was in a place with thousands of people and I'm sitting there in church uh, and I was there and I was just having my time I'm just there in the corner worshiping the Lord jumping doing my thing in the corner all the way and I'm not thinking anybody has anything to say to me and I thought I never in that you know that was the first time uh, an older lady came to me at the end of service she found me in the lobby with all those people she said young she was in tears she's like young man I just want you to know that your worship blessed me so much it literally gave me the encouragement that I needed uh, to be able to go through the week and I'm sitting there thinking God you my little self in the corner you allowed my worship to inspire somebody I'm here to tell you that your corporate worship with God as our father literally can be an altar call to draw somebody to worship the Lord if they look at you you might think you're insignificant but your voice is not small. Your voice echoes through heaven when the, in the corridors of heaven when you worship and give the Lord praise. Are you with me? And for those who say, man, I mean, think about it. You would get bored in heaven. You know what they say talking about? They're not singing my song. In heaven, the Bible says uh, that they are around the throne and they cease not crying. Oh, holy, holy, holy. Lord God of hosts, they're singing, holy, 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 holy. So powerful when you think about it. There's something about, there's something about valuing corporate worship and understanding that it's about more than just us. We are called to collaborate. The light that Christ uses to invite us is one that we are called to use to be able to see others. As Galatians 6 says, that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. And in so doing, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. Are you with me? And so, Pete, uh, I want to leave you with these three things. And then we're going to declare the Nicene Creed together. I'm going to tell you about it in a second. But I want you to understand this as Christians with this perspective. I want you to understand that as Christians, let's spend more time building bridges than barriers. We, our assignment is, as we're talking about God being our father, our assignment is to spend more time building bridges, more bridges than barriers. Not only this, as Christians, here it is, let's spend more time articulating, watch, who we're for over who we're against. There are some people, you can't see unity, they, they can't, you can't, 
touch unity in their midst with a 10-foot pole. And the reason why is because, uh, but you can make it, you can know really quickly who they're against. And the fact is that people should know who you're for more than they do who you're against. And this is the, uh, the heart of God, that God being our father is that we find ways that we are able to unify with people. Listen, I'm telling you, so many expressions and iterations of the Christian faith have shown up within the last 100 to 200 years. And they think even though Christianity has been 2,000 years old, that they have the corner on Christianity. And the fact is that no, even if people don't go to the Father's house, if they have been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and put their trust in the risen Christ, they are your brothers and your sisters if the fruit of the kingdom is being wrought in their midst. Jesus actually declares, and I'm almost done, Mark chapter 9 verse 38 through 50 says, John said to him, speaking of John to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. He wasn't a part of our crew. And then he says, but Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon to afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. There are people who don't go to this church. There are people who don't go to my church. But the beauty is that we are still brothers and sisters in Christ with God the Father as our Father. Can I just challenge your perspective today? And so it's important for us. I will even tell you this. The reason why many of us are unable to connect with Christians around the world is because we've spent more time learning about who they are from people that don't like them than actually investigating what they think and believe uh, right uh, from the horse's mouth. Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, this is a life. Can I just give you that life principle? Don't learn about people from those who don't like them. And so it's imperative for us. Like I just shared with you about the sign of the cross. Uh, many of you thought just there's just Roman Catholic thing they just do. Yes, there are people who do things for the sake of superstition. But the fact of the matter is there are things that uh, just because some do them in superstition, it don't allow that to rob the thing itself from the value or the power that it may have for those who are not just doing it out of vanity. So look. I want you to understand this is important for us to remember. As we are now thinking about Christianity, there's a, there is a personal aspect of Christianity. But I'm reminding you that the Christian faith uh, and this light we've been invited to, in, uh, that has invited us rather into the transformative work and the creative work of God is not just a personal one, but it is a universal one. In fact, reclaiming the word Catholic, lower C, someone say lower C, it actually is from the Latin word, watch, Catholicus, which was used to refer to the church at large prior to what we know now as Roman Catholicism or any of these denominations and organizations that we have. It means universal. Everyone say universal. In other words, Christians everywhere. And this is the idea of that word. And one of the ways uh, that the church, I want to end around this, 
one of the ways that the church um, has unified around the faith, help me out, uh, is the value, the value that comes in being able to join around our unified faith. And especially when we think about this in a corporate manner, not only does it highlight the faith that we have uh, as believers, but it also positions us to guard, stand on guard against false teaching and things that would come to try and overthrow the kingdom of God. This age-old faith is to stay with us and to continue into, uh, with us into the generations ahead. There are some things that we are not to innovate. And the faith that we have in Christ is one of those things. I'm telling you, it's people today that don't even believe in the virgin birth of Christ. That don't even believe in the infallibility of scripture. I, in, our, in Toronto, we got a church with an atheist pastor. Go figure. All sorts of stuff is happening today. And now, more than ever, especially with what's happening, do we as a body need to find ways to unify and build bridges so that we can stand firm on what has been given to us by Christ and his apostles. And so the Nicene Creed, I really love it because it's from the 300s. There was a dude named Atheist, uh, Atheist, uh, a dude named Arius, who was running around and he was saying, Jesus is created. And he was teaching people that Jesus was created and consequently there were people who were jumping onto it and holding onto it. In fact, there are organizations that have that same perspective today. As opposed to Jesus being the same uh, as God the Father and as the Holy Spirit, the same in rank and the same as a, is the second person in the Trinity, they're saying, no, he's created like an angel and so they got together and they said in 325 AD and then later in 381 they said you know what they're like our focus uh, we need to establish the perimeters and the boundaries of what it who Jesus is and what the Christian faith espouses and so now this is why Christians in fact our church might even be reciting it right now <laughs> But this is one of the ways that millions of Christians around the world, every week we declare and we make clear what we believe as Christians with God as our Father. And so I think it would be really fitting talking about ways that we connect and ways that we can be unified that today that we stand and we boldly declare our faith out loud through this age-old creed, statement of faith, called the Nicene Creed. It's called the Nicene Creed because it was done in a place called Nicaea, a council of Christians from everywhere that got together to be able to determine and declare their faith out loud. When you hear the word Catholic, remember, in this context at this time, it means Christians everywhere. When you hear the word apostolic, remember, it means the faith that was founded on and passed down to us by the apostles of Jesus Christ. So we're going to stand, if you will, stand with me all over this place as we declare this. If you are proud to be a Christian, or if you're even just interested in what Christians believe, I want us to declare this, and I want us to declare it out loud. Because anybody other than me grateful to be a Christian? Come on, somebody. Anybody grateful that your faith did not just start yesterday? 
but that you get to stand on something that is age old. Here we go. And so uh, it's going to be on the, it's on the screens for us online. If you're watching on the screens for you there, and I want you in your living room to declare this as loud as you can. Here we go. Are we ready? Are we ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. We believe in one God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible and in one lord jesus christ the only son of god begotten from the father before all ages god from god light from light true god from true god begotten not made of the same essence as the father through him all things were made for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven come on he became incarnate by the holy spirit and the virgin mary and was made human he was crucified for us under pontius pilate he suffered and was buried the third day he rose again according to the scriptures he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead his kingdom will never end come on and we believe in the holy spirit the lord the giver of life he proceeds from the father and with the father and the son is worshiped and glorified he spoke through the prophets we believe in one holy catholic and apostolic church we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come amen come on somebody celebrate the christian faith all over this house glory to our god glory to our father and you may be seated in the presence of god and so i encourage you if you have just if you're a christian and you have just had a me and jesus mentality i want you to yes maintain you in jesus but make sure that you don't just see him as my father but see him as our father go out of your bubble and connect and connect with people and open your eyes and witness the worship of others and be encouraged and inspired and share your story with others of Christ's deliverance so that they too can be set free. And if you don't know him, if you don't know God through Jesus, if you can't say he's my father, I want you, I want you today to put your trust and your faith in him. He died for your sins and he rose from death with all power as we just declared in the creed. And he is coming again for those of us who have a relationship with him through repentance, faith, and baptism. And so if you're not baptized, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to trust him, to put your trust in him. And not only this, but your relationship will grow beyond just you and Jesus. That you too will be able to declare with millions around the world and say, he's not just my father, but he is our father. God bless you.
God bless you.